This is the Culture and Talent Podcast from Nemours Children's Health. My name is Dr. Allison Kraft, the Director of Culture and Talent Development for Nemours Children's Health. Today, I'm joined by Jared Narlock, the Strategic Culture and Talent Program Manager. In this second edition of our podcast, we will continue to explore the leadership concept that retention is about relationships. How can we as leaders create intentional connection in helping associates feel a sense of purpose, a sense of belonging, and a sense of future within an organization? Today's focus, the importance of being authentic and humanistic. It's our second Nemours standard of behavior and a significant turning point in shifting from a traditional hierarchical relationship model to a partnership leadership model. Jared, let's start with you. There are a lot of different leadership tools, models, rounding forms, and templates to help guide leadership that feels more practical, tangible, or hands-on. But we really want to push leaders to start with introspection and a behavior. So from your perspective, why should we start there? Great starting point there, Allison. And I always appreciate that question. And where to go with that question, right? Because when we're talking about authenticity and and being humanistic, it's one of those pieces that sometimes people struggle with and say, okay, what's that textbook answer? But the reality is if we're stepping into authenticity, there's usually some vulnerability with it. And a little bit of looking in the mirror and that self-awareness. And where I always recommend with people to start is looking at their values. And opening up the door with that and discussing what are their values? How does that connect with others? Because it truly, lots of times, will open the door to different connection pieces. Uh, just recently, a individual that I had worked with in the past in a, a more of an informal route, she's a, a CEO of a company, and she was sharing about a friend that she's had for a long time that was a coworker at one point. And she said, whenever people would ask me how I'm doing, she'd usually say the the normal, I'm okay, or I'm fine, which I've never cared for that answer because it's that almost zombie-like answer that I can say and just keep walking. But the reality is there's usually more there. Sometimes it is just that. But she said the first time she really stopped and said, you know what? I'm not going to say that to this person. I'm going to be real. I'm going to be authentic. And she told the person she was struggling some. And she stepped into vulnerability and she said it created a connection point that built from there. But she was hesitant at first because she was in a leadership role and she thought, okay, where does this go from a professional standpoint? And so when she tied back to sharing that story with me, it really landed on values. She was looking at her values at that point and thinking, I'm not being authentic here. And it's hurting me and it's hurting my relationship with others. So I'm going to step into that. So to go back to that, what I would say, first and foremost, I always like to say, okay, where do I have a connection piece around values? Or if those values are different, how does that get us talking in a more authentic approach? I love that story. One of my favorite things to express to people when they tell me they're fine is I say that stands for feelings inside not expressed. So what's really going on for us to have a conversation around? And so I think that values connection really is critical because especially in those times when we're on autopilot, or we're really not thinking through our behaviors because it either 
we're stressed or we're excited and sort of that natural tendency emerges, a lot of that is based on those intrinsic values, which allows us to step into vulnerability. So I'm curious from your perspective, at least in the work that I've done, whenever I start to talk about lean into your values, live your values, lead with your values, and I ask the question, what are your values? Either the answer is 50 of them, because everything you call out seems important. Of course, family is important. Of course, connection is important, et cetera, et cetera. But really, it's only one or two that primarily drive us and motivate us from a leadership perspective. So if you were to give advice to someone who is hearing that story, which I think really resonates about how to build connection versus that autopilot transactional relationship moment, where would you recommend people start? Because I know it took me years to solidify that kindness and knowledge were my values, but it took a lot of work. So where would you recommend we start? Yeah, I'm connecting with you on that comment right there, Allison, because for me, it was, oh, I want it to be this and I want it to be this and realizing, well, those are what I want to be known as because those sound good. But when I really took time to reflect and say, okay, what are my one to two primary values? I started to ask the questions, how am I showing up when I feel I'm at my best? And how do these values show up when I'm struggling with something, when maybe there's a a barrier in front of me? or a lack of connection. And so looking at both where am I at when I I really want to be there and I'm excited about it, and where am I at when I know I'm out of alignment, and what does that look like? And how do these values bring me back to that center point where I really am in that authentic mind state, and I'm truly being myself? And that's what I always recommend to people, because when I looked at those five, six, seven, eight other nice-to-haves, I realized one thing was definitely missing, and that was consistency. It was not where I went when I made tough decisions. It was not where I went when I felt most connected with people versus my two values that I I hold dear are connectedness and accountability. And they go hand in hand. And that's when I share them with people that know me, they say, yes, that is you. I see it. That makes so much sense. And it takes some time. But I always tell people if you're not excited to share your values and and different people show excitement in different ways. But if you're not excited to share those, I recommend going back and really thinking through how and asking those questions of, of how when you're showing up as your best self and in those very tough moments where you feel like you're not where you want to be, what gets you back there? And most of the time people say, oh yeah, it's, it's one, two or three things. And those are those true values. Doesn't mean we can't work towards more if we want to be deliberate, but in those times... And those are the times where people see us and they sometimes see that vulnerability and those relationships, those connection points really grow out of that from my experience, from what different researchers have brought forward as well. And uh, so thankful for those moments. I know there are some listeners who are probably thinking these values, conversations, vulnerability feels very warm and fluffy. (laughs) But I think for me, what really is was helpful for me to really start to lean into that vulnerability was the recognition that 90% of the time when I feel like I am my best leadership self, when I'm checking all the boxes in terms of what I want to do in terms of connection, et cetera, it, it's, it's very natural. But those moments when I realize that I'm clashing with another individual or for whatever reason, our relationship is not as effective as it is with the six other people on my team. That values exercise was a step almost in separate realities because it was oftentimes 
when there was a values clash that was getting in the way of my leadership effectiveness. Now, I shared kindness and knowledge or two of mine. I, I vaguely remember a situation where I was in a conversation with a leader and I was not being effective. And it didn't hit me until I realized that this individual was very, what I would say, condescending to the people around him because he was very intelligent and I would not negate that intelligence. But that was almost like his version of armor. That was his weapon to showcase how you know much more knowledge he had from the people in the room. So even though I'm doing all of the processes that every leader wants to hold that piece of paper that says to ask these questions, it wasn't effective. And because I realized it was clashing with my value of kindness and what I was giving to him was almost not kind because I was getting defensive on behalf of other people. So I think that that exploration is really two-sided to understand how you're going to show up to be your best self or how to prepare yourself when you know that there's going to be individuals who don't have those same inherent values. And how do you understand that and be flexible in that moment with that individual? So I guess I'm curious from your perspective, this is new for some people, especially if we grew up in a a system like healthcare, which tends to be very traditional and slow to change in terms of things like leadership, flexibility, and style. If I'm a leader who maybe has been in a leadership role for years, and I understand that I need to go through this values exercise so that I can show up with authenticity and humanism, it's going to feel different, not only for me, but probably as I'm encountering people, that interaction point is going to feel different for the people who are receiving you know, the conversation that I'm starting with them. So what best practices, what thoughts, how would you make that transition to being more authentic, more vulnerable, more humanistic? if that's not a place you've naturally been at for your leadership career. Sure. And I'm going to really touch on two pieces and one's the internal work and then one's the external connection piece. So the internal work I loved when I came across this from Dr. Brene Brown and she talked about putting on our armor. The problem is that fear is just kind of a natural response. Armor for a lot of us is a natural response. I'm asking, fear can stay the natural response, make armor a conscious choice to say, am I self-protecting right now in a way that moves me away from courage, my values, and being a good leader? And it reminded me a lot of the story that you were just sharing as well with that individual and certainly not negating their level of intelligence, but I've seen that sometimes where, where someone will step into and out of vulnerability and step into almost that armor. And when it comes to authenticity and the connection to our values, I always see it as that's when people really have their armor off. They're not trying to show up as someone else. They're not trying to defend or go into those pieces, but truly take that armor off, be their true self. And the way that they're able to continue to honor that and not put their armor on is through boundary setting both boundaries with themselves, what's okay and what's not okay, and then having those conversations with others if the opportunity presents itself. I know in some instances, like what you mentioned, it may not be able to. That person may not be open to it at first and take some time to develop that relationship, but taking that off. And uh, then from a, a boundaries work perspective, thinking about what's okay, what's not okay with that. And then the external piece that really comes to mind as a leader of how do I start setting the stage if I maybe haven't been doing this deliberately with others is through what I like to call rounding for purpose. 
And rounding is a game changer. We hear about it in healthcare as far as rounding with patients, but this is rounding with people. And it's one of those pieces that I know I've personally done on my teams, whether it's in an in-person setting or a virtual setting and trying to be deliberate and take time. It's a little bit different in a virtual setting where I'm not necessarily popping in, but trying to set a standard time to say, hey, can we can we touch base for 10 minutes? And uh, it's a little bit longer virtual, but in person, it's you know walking around and walking to where those people are at and it's not a long drawn out conversation, but it's a every other day, sometimes daily, depending on the the size of your team and, and workspace, but process of of seeing how they're doing and not just the, hey, how are you doing? And the, I'm fine, but really finding out what's working well, what's important to them right there. Is there anything you can help with? And you're going to learn by the nature of asking those questions, you're going to learn about that person. And one of the key pieces with all that, and this is you know, truly where that authenticity comes in is being willing to listen. Listen and be in that moment with that person through rounding. And you can find out a lot of pieces that maybe you didn't ask questions about, but that you wanted to know or needed to know through asking that, just having that normal conversation. And it's not a check the box and it's not robotic. We're truly in that. And I can't tell you how many times I've done that on different teams. And I do that now in our team. And I find out something new almost on a weekly basis about someone that helps us step further into that relationship. Sometimes it's a connection with our values. And then when it comes to those larger conversations, I'm able to pull off of that. And of course, that goes back to what we were originally talking about with retention and that relationship. And so that's where these pieces build off of each other. But it's not just by chance. It's through one being consistent. And following through on that and then really being meaningful and not letting it be a, a check the box type of a exercise or approach, but because I want to do it. I want to connect. I want to hear those pieces. So let's talk about how we ensure that as rounding becomes incorporated into our daily leadership process, for lack of a better term, because most leaders have multiple people who report to them. So you'll be rounding with different people on different days. And it makes sense, particularly when there are, we know there are people who appreciate structure, who appreciate the ability to be prepared. So if my leader is going to come to me uh, with some rounding questions that I've had that moment to reflect before they're here with me asking the question. So typically what I would recommend, at least my rounding questions, are how are you? What do you want me to know today? What do you want to talk about today? what's getting in the way, and how can I help? And sometimes, you know, I'll ask, not get to all of those questions because a lot of it will depend on what the associate needs to convey and making sure that I'm giving that space to listen. But we also, when we have that structure, run the risk of it becoming a check the box, becoming robotic, becoming that process. How do we, or what recommendations would you have particularly if that flexibility of not having multiple questions that you want to have that consistency, how do we give people that consistency while still staying true to the humanism? What would you recommend? Yeah, one of the first pieces is making sure that I'm flexing my communication. As you know, you know this with me, Allison. I always appreciate that. When you are rounding with me, you know that I like that personal connection. So you tend to ask, how's everything going with the family? And with some people, they're in that work task mode. So they don't want that question. But as a leader, being mindful and, and knowing that about your people and, and how that may connect to the values. And, 
you know, as you were asking that, I was thinking about one of the most significant stories that was shared with me. It was a manager of an emergency department at a previous healthcare system. And he shared because we were talking about this, this concept of, of rounding and how it connected to humanity and that authenticity. And he said, Hey, I want to tell you all when you start rounding initially, it's going to feel like it takes more time out of your day. And you're going to be thinking about that mindset of, let me just check the box and do this. And you're even going to be tempted to about 21 to 28 days tap out and say, no, this takes too much time. And he said, this will be one of the biggest mistakes you make. And he shared that he had been doing this for years. And he said, I know my people better than I've ever known any group that I've worked with. They know and trust me and we connect in ways that I've never connected with other teams. And he said, I have so much more time as well to where I can connect with them at different times. I can connect in different areas. And it really becomes a connection piece for both the functional side as well as the relationship side. And he made a point too of of flexing his approach where at first he was doing it around the time that worked for him. But then he realized that that wasn't working for the teams. And and so he found a time and it was actually a little bit earlier than he would normally come in for his ship, but he came in and he said, they knew that I was coming. And at first it was a weird process. They were like, well, what are you doing? This is different as he started to be more consistent with it. But he would flex his approach to the person he was talking with, really thinking about what is going to be meaningful to them and how do I ask that? And then following up some days and saying, hey, is this useful? Am I asking things that are important to you? And this is our time together. Are there things that you want to share with me that you feel like you don't have the opportunity because of the questions that I'm asking? Let me know. And, and he took notes. He was mindful of that. And he said, after you know about 30 days of consistently doing that, he said, one, his door wasn't revolving for firefighting anymore because people knew they were going to see him. But the other piece was they said, we love seeing your, your face. You know, we appreciate it. And, you know, the fact that he was following up on things when they did have concerns. And even if he didn't have an answer, he let them know, you know, hey, I'm still looking into this. It's at the top of my list. I want you to know that. And I'm going to keep checking in so you know, but are there other pieces? And so that consistency and the approach, flexing it, and then at the same time, keeping that dialogue open that, yes, you could easily get into a rhythm, but is it what each and every person wants? And and I remember that because I had one team member, her name was Judy, and Judy said, Jared, I really appreciate the why behind this, and I love getting to talk to you, but the things you're asking me, they're not relevant to me. And so I want to talk to you about these things. Can we talk about that? I said, yes, Judy. And I had missed the mark, but I heard her then and stepped into that. I love that story because I think it illustrates what you were talking about, about layering relational aspects onto a functional piece. So that functional piece is that consistency. I know the questions are going to be asked. I know what they are. That gives the leader a little bit of space to feel comfortable to then flex into those relationship components. But what I really heard that resonated for me was in that story that after the process happened for 30, 45 days, we checked in to ask the question, is this working for you? So often when we start to create a process in daily functioning, we don't ever take that intentional pause to figure out, is it generating the outcomes that we want? And in this case, it is consistency 
but also a consistent building of a relationship. And relationships require different work than a process flow, as an example. So I love that idea of consistently going back or adding that that standing question, what do you want me to hear today? That's very different than me coming in and saying, here's the agenda of the five questions. I can still do that, but creating that space for what do you need me to hear? Because more often than not, just like that leader, it surprises you of what they need you to know versus what you expected to hear. Exactly. I think that's such a, a key piece as you shared there. And it truly becomes a relationship in a discussion and not, here's my five questions. I'm going to ask them and move on, but it's open to it. And that person knowing their part in it and thinking about, hey, and, and that happens sometimes. Hey, I don't have anything around these pieces today, but can we talk about this? And, you know, it's those little conversations that trust really grows rapidly at times because people realize, oh, this is another human being in front of me. Of course, they're a leader. Yes, they have that title. They're another human being. And they're trying to do their best today, just like I am. And they gave me time to discuss this. And they remember that. And that grace is extended too, because we all have those tough days as human beings where we're still trying to do our best. And maybe we were off point and we're thinking, oh my goodness, that person's going to feel that. And then realizing as we follow up with them the next day and they're saying, hey, I know, I know it's okay. And we've built that relationship and that, that, that grace as well, while also, you know, ensuring that they know we're there, just as you said, from that functional aspect and we're checking in, making sure it's working. And as a relationship, we're growing that and talking about that. And as I mentioned before, with those boundaries, those boundaries may change as we discuss and grow in that process too. So our highlight reel for today, if you were, a couple of key points that we want to make sure that our listeners take away and start to implement. One, really spend some time leaning in to reflecting and thinking about what are those one to two core values that motivate, that are intrinsically important to you, that allow you to show up as your authentic and humanistic self so that you can start to build the relationship. The second piece I heard was how do we apply that once we've been able to lean in, recognize our humanism, but recognizing that connection through humanity does showcase an authenticity and intentional connection, we're recommending rounding with purpose, not just process. And we do that by overlaying the five to six standing questions that we know are going to be consistent so that our associates, the people who we're conversing with, recognize that this is a normal part of relationship building. It's not a shiny new object. It's not something going away, but building in and layering in the opportunity for both sides to partner on vulnerability. And that's the check-in. Is this working? What should I be hearing from you that I'm not hearing? What other final reflections or thoughts as we think about this idea of leaning into authenticity and humanism and application, would you want to be a short takeaway for our listeners today? I say the the final piece is, especially from a, a leadership component, and and maybe it's not a formal leader, but you're that that team member, is to remember that you have the ability to make a lasting impact on anyone. And one of the the biggest pieces that that brings a smile to my face is I've worked on numerous teams over the last two decades. And I have so many people from those teams that some I was their formal leader, some I was uh, right there as a, a peer partner, and they still reach out. Just the other day, a team member that I hired right out of college and saw her grow and was a part of that process, she knew I cared. She knew I cared when I was there with her, not simply as a person in the organization with a title, but as another human being. And she called me when she got her first supervisory role. And she messaged me when she got promoted to a manager just a few weeks ago. 
And so whenever you're thinking, okay, I don't have time, remember, that's another human being. And it's not connected to the title that I'm in because the true leaders, they realize that, that regardless of the title, I can be connected with others. I can be in service to others. And people will remember that long, long while they may still be in the organization and you may have moved on to a different role within that organization or different place altogether. And so just keeping that in mind of truly why, what's my why behind doing this, that purpose and remembering that that connection to that other human being when it comes down to authenticity. It's all about connection, not title. Thank you, Jared. The Nemours Culture and Talent Podcast is produced and edited by Carol Vassar Media Productions for Nemours Children's Health. Music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Turner's Falls, Massachusetts. Your questions, comments, and ideas about the podcast are welcome. Just email podcast at nemours.org. That's podcast at nemours.org. Find this and our flagship podcast, Champions for Children, on your favorite podcast app. And thanks for listening. <laughs>